My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, we're going to be doing a solo episode, and the working title of this episode is either going to be CBI Shit Show or CBI Shit Storm. I'm not sure quite yet, but wow, what a week we have had in the investment migration space here. It has been unbelievable. So I'm going to get to some of the news that maybe you guys have heard about if you follow any of these things. But also just some insights from my side on what it is like to go through a CBI program. I am about, I would say, 30 days away from receiving my own St. Keith's citizenship by investment. Well, fingers crossed, uh, assuming that everything goes okay after this week, I'm really not sure. But I am going to give you some tips on what I saw going through the program so that if things pan out and these get better, maybe this will be a valuable episode for you if you want to do CBI at some point. But before we jump into the news, I just want to mention that we have our annual online summit coming up. It is at expatmoneysummit.com. And oh my God, we have some massive guest speakers coming up, including Peter Schiff, Mark Faber, Dr. Ron Paul, Doug Casey, Jim Rogers, and a whole host of other incredible, incredible speakers. So it's going to be an amazing week. Yes, tickets are again free this year. I don't know what else I have to do to attract you guys. We have all of the tickets for free. You can grab a ticket right now at expatmoneysummit.com, expatmoneysummit.com to grab your ticket. Okay, let's dive into the news. So it came out a couple of weeks ago that Dominica and Vanuatu both lost visa-free access to the UK. This is significant because these were big players in the CBI space, and they are both part of the English Commonwealth. So it was very, very strange to see this happening. Now, I am not going to get into all of the reasons why, but it's also worth mentioning that Honduras, Namibia, and East Timor also lost access to the UK. The next big thing that we saw in the news was that St. Vincent and the Grenadines Prime Minister came forward and said that he thinks that all CBI countries are going to lose visa-free access to the Schengen zone. Now, it's interesting of the seven Eastern Caribbean bloc countries that St. Vincent is not one of the countries that actually offers a CBI for the world. So people were not paying him a lot of heed because he really didn't have a horse in the race. But now with all of these other things going forwards, and, and some that we will get to in a minute, I think you will see why this is quite significant. 
After that, you may have seen the headlines where Canada, New Zealand, the United States, and a whole host of other countries are going to be losing visa-free access to the European Union. This is insane. They're rolling out in 2024 what's called ETAS, E-T-I-A-S, and it's going to be an electronic visa system where you have to pre-approve to be able to go over there. They say it's going to be very fast and they say it's going to be very cheap, but any type of program where you have to ask permission in advance is a visa. I don't care what they say. So Canada, US, New Zealand, and a whole host of other countries are going to be losing visa-free access to the Schengen zone. What is going on in the world right now? We've gone on from having connections everywhere in the world to borders and walls going up everywhere. I just find the whole thing shocking. Then two days ago, as of the recording of this episode, St. Keats has come forward and said that they're doubling the minimum investment for all applicants of their CBI program. So a single applicant was down to 125,000 US dollars. They have now doubled it to $250,000 for a single applicant to get citizenship by investment in St. Keats. Now, an applicant with a spouse was at $150,000, now it's at $300,000. So this is a massive jump. And when you add on to that legal fees and application fees and government fees and due diligence fees and all of these types of things, I bet when the dust settles, you can probably expect it to be around $400,000, dollars $420,000 for a family. That is a solid chunk of change. Now, you might remember back in February that I offered to take a group of my clients through the process for St. Keats. And we did. We had 12 families that came through with me and all of our applications are in. I even did my own. I did my St. Keats citizenship by investment. And as I said, we are probably about 30 days, 35 days away from hopefully receiving our citizenship. Now, as far as my understanding goes, for everybody who already put their citizenship application in, this should not change the price point whatsoever. But if your application was not filed by the time this went forwards, then that is going to be a massive problem, and I think that you are going to be SOL, to be honest. All of these changes come with a response to the EU coming down hard on the CBI countries. They lay down a set of guidelines or parameters that these countries will have to follow. The principles are sixfold, and I'm going to try to go through them as fast as possible, and I am quoting the Associate Times who published this information. So number one, enhanced due diligence on CBI applicants. The principle of enhanced due diligence refers to a more comprehensive and detailed scrutiny process to be conducted on all applicants of the CBI programs. This process is aimed at mitigating risks related to fraud, money laundering, and other illicit activities. It involves the in-depth examination of applicants' background, financial dealings, and overall credibility. According to the EU's Commission's guidelines, the thorough examination should be conducted by third-party due diligence firms of high repute based in the EU, US, or UK. Not sure exactly why they can only be put forth in those countries. What's wrong with the other 190 countries in the world? Anyways, the requirements for these firms to be reputable and third-party ensures that an unbiased, unprofessional, and rigorous assessment, thereby enhancing the integrity and security of the CBI programs. So since when is the US, UK, or EU unbiased? 
That's a little bit silly, but okay, let's continue. Number two, mandatory interviews for CBI applicants. The principle refers to the mandatory implementation of interview procedures for all CBI applicants. Okay, side note, this will be interesting if it happens with our group of 12 families for St. Keats, because our applications were already in before these mandates were made. But let's see if they actually make us do them or it will be the next group that comes after. This is not a big deal for me. I mean, I was planning on taking the group to St. Keats with me for a big party and event anyways. But I was hoping to travel in with the passport. But if we have to go there to do the interview and collect the passport, then that's not a big deal. Anyways, continuing on. The interview process is essential in order to gain a more in-depth understanding of the applicant's intentions, assess their credibility, and to provide an additional layer of scrutiny to overall application process. These interviews can be conducted either in person or via digital platforms, making them accessible regardless of geographical constraints. By recording these interviews, authorities can maintain a comprehensive record for future reference or investigation, ensuring that every aspect of the application process process is transparent, accountable, and rigorous. The practice of conducting and recording interviews adds an additional layer of security to the CBI program and helps maintain its integrity and high standards. So I don't know really who's going to want to get recorded doing these types of things. Talk about an uncomfortable situation. The whole point of going through CBI is to have more freedom in your life, and they want to do crap like this? Like, they're really reaching here. It's just... And I don't think that this is going to stop any terrorism or Russian oligarchs or drug traffickers or whatever horse shit that they're coming up with. This is just unbelievable. Okay, number three, prohibition of mailing official citizenship documents. The principle concerning the prohibition of mailing official citizenship documents and passports to new citizens signifies a step towards tightening higher security measures. The EU Commission recommends against dispatching of sensitive materials such as citizenship documents and passports through the mail service, a method that can potentially expose these critical documents to loss, theft, or fraud. Wow. Okay. The principle seeks to protect the sanctity of citizenship and reduce potential for misuse of identity. Instead, the newly granted citizens should receive these documents through secure, reliable, and verifiable means, such as in-person collection or the government shall identify alternative means. Number four, increased investment thresholds. The principle regarding increased investment thresholds mandates a higher minimum investment in the CBI programs. This is what we were talking about before. According to this principle for applicants made under the donation option, the minimum investment should be raised to at least 200,000 US dollars, while for applications made under real estate option, the minimum investment should be at least $400,000. So I'm not really sure how that's going to change anything like, if it's some type of a terrorist, you think that they can get their hands on 125000 but they're not going to be able to get their hands on 200000 Like, what's the logic behind that? I mean, this is just absolute... I won't keep saying the word shit in this, but Jesus, this is just unbelievable. This increased financial requirement aims to ensure that CBI programs attract individuals with significant capacity to contribute economically to the host country. It also underscores the seriousness of the commitment required by applicants, reinforcing that the citizenship offering is not merely a commodity for sale, but a significant and meaningful alliance between the applicant and the host nation. So really what they're saying is that the whole thing is holy. It's holier than now, and we should just be so blessed 
because the state has granted us this piece of paper. Number five, direct transfer of invested amount to host country. The principle emphasizes the direct transfer of the investment funds to the host country without any diversion to accounts in other nations. It aims to ensure transparency, traceability, and the legitimate use of funds in the CBI programs. This requirement not only helps in the economic development of the country by guaranteeing the direct inflow of funds, but also preventing potential misuse of the program for illicit activities such as money laundering or tax evasion. By insisting that all investment funds reach the host country directly, the principle strengthens the financial integrity and accountability of the CBI programs. I'm not exactly sure how that would help with tax evasion or money laundering. I mean, money laundering is taking money from illicit sources and then washing it so that you've paid taxes on it. How money going directly to the host country and not through an intermediary bank or country is going to stop that? Just like this is just completely lacking any details. They just keep throwing around the same couple of phrases over and over again. Drug trafficking, tax evasion, money laundering, all these type of things. But they don't actually say how these are going to stop. They just say it's going to put it in place to stop it. But how? Like why? Where does this come from? Where do you get that insights from? Can we have a couple of cases where what you've actually done has stopped any of these things? Number six, Citizenship promotion not based on visa-free access benefits. This principle addresses how citizenship under the Citizenship by Investment Program should be marked or promoted. The EU Commission stipulates that the promotion of such citizenship should not be primarily based on the advantages of visa-free access to the EU, UK, or any other providing similar advantages. This essence of the principle is to shift focus from simply purchasing a global mobility advantage to a more comprehensive commitment to the host country. It aims to ensure that applicants are not solely driven by conveniences of global travel. Ooh, that would be so horrible. Convenience of global travel. My goodness, look at this. (sighs) You know, how terrible but also values and respects the responsibilities and privileges that come with citizenship to the host country. This in turn maintains the integrity of citizenship as a deep and meaningful connection to a nation, not just a transactional convenience. This is back to that holier than now type of thing. There is no religion, there's no church, there's no God, there's no Allah, there's nothing like that. There's only the state. The state is all that matters now. These recommendations serve as guiding parameters for countries offering such programs, promoting robust measures that balance the economic advantages with stringent legal and ethical obligations. So this all comes out of Brussels and the EU, and this is what's putting all the pressure on all these visa programs around the world. So as I was saying, St. Keats has already caved, and they've put up their program by doubling it, and they've put the minimum real estate investment by up to $400,000. I would expect over the next week to two weeks that we will see the remaining four CBI countries in the Caribbean all placate these demands and follow right in line. Because if if we look at the entire notice that St. Keats put out, the official document, it follows pretty closely to exactly what these things say. 
So I will be putting out a ton more information with two upcoming special reports that are going to be available to all Hub members, our private membership program, and all my private clients inside the Hub. We're going to be getting those finished over the next couple of days, and they should get sent out to all members and clients. Okay, moving on. I don't blame St. Keats for making these changes. I mean, St. Keats program has been going since 1984. This is a massive amount of money that comes into their country, and they really were the platinum standard for any of the CBI programs around the world. I mean, they are the OG when it comes to CBI. So I'm not surprised that they're leading the pack in, in placating the EU because a lot of people do get their citizenship in the Caribbean countries so that they could go to the EU. Now, personally, I think that the world is a lot bigger than the EU. I mean, 193 countries in the world, and it seems to be the only thing that one of these residency or citizenship program cares about is if you can get access to the EU. I mean, it's nice over there. Yeah, there's lots of history. It's very interesting. But man, I wouldn't want to live over there or spend really any significant amount of time. Like, what a mess they're going through. Do you guys not remember what happened all through the winter and energy prices going up by, what, 500 to 1,000%? I mean, I don't think we're going to see very many good things coming out of Europe over the next decade. But anyways, I think that definitely... The other CBI countries will be following in line. I don't think they should, but I think they will. Actually, I would love to see one of these countries, one of the five countries, just to go, you know what? Give them the middle finger, lose visa-free access to the Schengen zone, and then just put their program at whatever price they want and run it the way that they want without this hierarchy placation to the EU. Okay, the original podcast episode that I wanted to do for you, I was going to call What I've Learned Doing the CBI Program. Up until this point, I've just been giving you the news of the things that have happened over the last week. But now I want to talk to you a little bit about the things that I learned by actually going through the program myself. So when the dust settles, if there are any programs left standing and they are at a reasonable price point and you decide to want to do them, then hopefully this little guide that I'm going to go through here will help you. And definitely I'll be putting this into a written format and we'll also be giving this out to all of Hub members and the private clients. You know, it's very interesting. The company that I hired to do my application, they said that my case was the most complicated one they have ever seen. And they've been doing investment migration since the 90s. So we're talking close to, tw I think it was 26 years, 27 years they have been doing this. And they said mine was the most complicated case because of all the nationalities and languages and documents from so many different countries because I've lived all over the world. It was a complete mess. But we got through it and I want to share with you some of the things that we learned. So the first one was follow the instructions of the company you are working with to help you navigate the citizenship by investment programs because they can initially seem overwhelming. If you follow some simple steps I'm going to go over now, hopefully you will manage expectations and have smooth sailing, certainly smoother than I did. So, okay, ensuring accuracy on your documents the first time is one of the most important things you can do. You will be expected to fill out an application, so take your time and answer all of the questions fully. Don't skip sections on this. Each CBI country has different rules and regulations, so follow it to the letter and provide everything the provider needs, okay? These are service providers who will work as an intermediary for you between yourself and the government. From your answers, they will take some time and create all the necessary documents required to move forward with your application. If you have left out any important information, 
your application is most likely going to be delayed. This is one of those things where the more they know, the better off things will be because they're going to be able to style it in a way that is going to make sense to the government and will be approved. Next, the first thing to tackle when starting a CBI program paperwork should be the most difficult items to accomplish and those that will take the longest to finish. Seems simple, but many want to do the easy stuff first. Resist. We really saw this. You know, we had 12 families that were going through this process. I was the guide, but we still had a service provider who was preparing the applications. It's very natural and normal to look at a list of 20 documents and just start with the easiest ones. But this is actually a case where you should eat your frog for breakfast. I think that's the, the title of that book. Do you guys remember that book? Eat the frog first, because some of the documents take months to get. So if you get all of the easy ones first and you wait till the very end, to get the hardest ones, by the time they come in, the first documents may have expired. So that is no good. All right, continuing on. Make a list of everything that needs to be done along one side of a chart and the people that it applies to across the top. Then mark off who must accomplish what. So we used a spreadsheet for this. We had the person's name across the top and then all of the documents to the left and then make a chart, make a little matrix on there on what needs to be done for which people and when it is done and at what stage it is done at. Then decide which will take the most amount of time and start that job first. Mark off each task as you complete it, then move on to the next job. Read through all the required documents to understand what you need to do. People will often look quickly at what is required and don't understand it fully. This is the time to ask questions and make sure you understand the reasons behind it. Once you understand the reasons, a lot of the documents for the CBI programs actually do make sense, surprisingly. Usually nothing to do with governments makes sense, but actually on this one, it, they do make sense if you think through it logically, but you have to understand it. You have to read it. Okay, next one. Keep good notes, use sticky notes, have a list of your providers and dates and times when you've sent the documents to one of your providers like lawyers, translators, notaries, friends that will vouch for you, etc., etc., etc. If you are Canadian, you must do an RCMP check. A local police check will not be enough. You need to do a national level. You must work with a provider that has been authorized to work with the RCMP. No matter where you live in the world, you can take your fingerprints from that country, have them notarized, and courier the required fingerprint documents to one of these companies. For a price, they will do all the required paperwork and send your fingerprints to the RCMP and wherever you need them to be forwarded to. This is a huge bonus for my people who are already living overseas and do not want to go back to Canada. If you are an American, you must have an FBI nationwide fingerprint search done. It cannot be done in a regional or statewide search. Also, if you are an American, it is common to have a health check conducted by a nurse practitioner. Before you take the time and spend the money, check with the CBI provider to ensure that this is adequate. Often, the health check must be done by a licensed physician. On the CBI program, we had this for sure in our group. So what happened was on the CBI application by St. Keats, on their official forms, it says a medical examiner. That's what it says. So a nurse practitioner is a licensed medical examiner. But actually, what they're really looking for is a physician, a doctor. That's what they want. I don't know why they don't say this, but that's what happens. So that caused a ton of problems for my people, which was really, really a shame. 
But you know, I've gone through this program with probably two or three dozen clients, and I never seen this come up before. And also, what happened was with St. Keats, when we started our program in February, they had changed all of the rules and all of their forms and documents. So even things that I had seen the last year were completely new this year, and this was one of them. Okay, next on the list, one trip to the lawyer is better than five. So make sure that you have all of your documents ready before making an appointment. You know, going back and forth to the lawyer is a pain in the butt. I think we probably did more than five, to be honest. We probably did about 10 or 15. We were constantly going back and forth with the lawyer on the different documents. My case was a little bit crazy, so I, I can understand why mine was a bit more. But really, the more you can be organized and have everything laid out, the more it will save you money and the easier and faster it will be. Okay, the next one. This is one that was also a huge problem for our group. Ensure that the provider that you will be working with, be that a lawyer or notary, have a stamp. And what I mean by a stamp is just like that old-fashioned, you know, like hand stamp with the ink and thump, thump, thump. Like it's got their name on it and it's got all the information, okay? I know in the U.S. and in modern countries, most places don't use these anymore. For the CBI countries, they have to have a stamp. So what I mean is one of those self-inking stamps. It's going to have the company logo, possibly the address, the provider's name, and license number. For instance, your lawyer will have his or her company and the personal name, the license number, and the official title. It can also be in black, blue, or red ink. It doesn't really matter. The color is not so important. It's just that it has to be a company stamp. And if by chance you don't have a stamp, urge the provider you work with to spend the $25 to have one purchased. It's going to save you a ton of time. Another side note, we had one person in our group who had to have their bank statement stamped and it was over 600 pages. So 600 stamps that had to be done. Trust me, you don't want to be doing those as notarized or anything like that. You don't want to notarize or legalize or apostille 600 documents. So it's much easier to get the stamp. You can also offer to pay the lawyer to get a stamp. I will give you, I will purchase it for you. I think it is also worthwhile if you have your own company to have a stamp made for yourself. If you need to stamp any of your own documents, that can really come in handy too. Here is another one that is so silly, but oh my God, just really makes a big difference. Order brand new, really nice blue ink pens and sign only with these pens. We found that when we were signing with black ink, they were often sent back because they looked like photocopies. We tried to explain to them, they're not photocopies, we just used black ink. Save yourself a whole bunch of headaches and just use blue ink pens. Continuing on the theme of color, when possible, use a color printer. The documents are obviously going to look a lot nicer and they're going to look more professional and therefore be more believable. What you want people to know is that these are original documents. So when the CIU looks at them, they look like official documents. We actually went out there and bought a brand new inkjet printer just to do our citizenship by investment program. Okay, next. 
Beware of different countries' restrictions, not just for the CBI, but for the country where you are applying from, your country of citizenship. Some families have multiple nationalities applying for one CBI, which can cause a ton of drama. Also, understand that some countries will not be apostille countries. So some countries like Canada are not apostille. The U.S. is and Brazil is and there's and Panama is, but... Canada is not. So that causes a ton of problems when you try to go through the documentation process. If you are an expat and have residency in a new country, you will likely do double the work necessary to gather your documents, and it can be a lot more difficult to secure old documents like your marriage certificate, divorce certificate, university diplomas, etc., etc. You will need to do the fingerprinting from your country of birth and every country you have spent more than one year in the past 10 years. This was one of the big problems for me. If you've lived in 10 countries, you must make 10 fingerprint applications and have all of them apostilled. This can take a lot of time, which is why I suggest tackling this project sooner rather than later. Going back to apostilles, so on October 5th of 1961, over 100 countries signed the Hague Convention to help authenticate certification to verify authenticity of a document for use in a foreign country. Some non-Hague countries like Canada have different processes. Each process has its merits, but it's important to determine which process your country must take. So as an example, if you have a family with multiple nationalities, half of the documents from the lawyer can be notarized as a true likeness of the original document, and the other half of the documents are going to have to be apostilled. If the original document comes from an apostille country, then of course it has to be apostilled. And if the original document comes from a non-apostille country, then it can simply be notarized as a true likeness of the original document by your lawyer or the notary. If you currently have residency outside of your country of birth and English is not the official language, you will need to have your documents translated into English if this is the official language of your country for CBI. If your CBI country requires an HIV blood test and you have residency in a Latino country, you can bet it will be done in Spanish. So you must have both the documents and the Spanish stamp translated into English. So this was another problem with mine. I had documents in a third language. I had them translated from that language into English here in Panama. But then when the translator went and stamped them, they stamped them with a Spanish stamp. Then I had to have the entire document, multi-page document, retranslated by another translator just to translate the stamp. So it was a translation of a translation. Wow. That was so annoying. If I had have thought about this in advance, I would have paid my translator to go out there and purchase an English stamp that just had their license number, just just their name, the, the company name, and license number instead of licencia, instead of the Spanish word for license. That cost so much money to have that translated over and over and over again for these documents that were in different languages. Okay, continuing on. Foreign translators are very common in Latin American countries. They are reasonably priced if you can find a good one and hold on to them. You will scan your original documents and send it to them for translation, and they will curry back to you the original document that you have stamped and signed in blue ink. They do not need to have your original, but you will need their original documents to send to the CBI unit. Wait until all of the documents have been translated and do not leave the translations until the end. You will pay double the price if the documents must be translated in a rush. 
Okay, proof of funds. So for most of the Caribbean countries, the CBI unit will need to see one year's worth of bank statements from the account which the donation will be made. It seems like a lot. However, it's very important. Every one of my private clients going through the CBI program asked me the same questions. Do they really need 12 months worth of statements? Yes, they do, unfortunately. Each bank page must be stamped and signed by the bank representative. If by chance your bank does not have a stamp, then you will be required to take your bank statement to a notary or lawyer for authentication. Passport pictures. Each country has different specifications. Check with your provider to see what the CBI country requires in terms of facial expression, hair, ears, and size of the picture. This was another one. I think we had to do our passport pictures three times. Three times. The one time I went down and I had my passport photos done with a pink shirt. Now, when you wear a pink shirt in front of a white wall and... They take the picture, you can't really see your shoulders all that well, so it got refused. I suggest having a dark shirt, a navy blue or a black shirt when you go through it. Don't use a light blue or, in my case, a pink shirt. Mikkel, what were you thinking? I don't know. When you go through it and just save yourself a ton of headache. And that's it. Those are the notes that I made as we went through this program. I probably could come up with another 20 things, but those are some low-hanging fruit for you to try to make the process as easy as possible. If things get better in the world of CBI and immigration goes back to normal or someone gives the EU the middle finger and decides to stand up and run a program without their permission and, and kissing the ring, then I encourage you guys to get a hold of me and I will do my best to help you through the program. Certainly, my private clients will be discussing a lot of these things in the weeks to come. So let's schedule some calls and let's get going. I can tell you generally in the world, immigration is getting more difficult. Prices are going up drastically. The documentation is more and more invasive. And the programs are just being canceled, to be honest with you. So really, if you're sitting on the fence at all about these things, you really don't have any time to lose because give it a year or two years or five years, there might not be any programs left. You might literally be stuck in the country that you're living in and not have access to getting a second passport or a residency and elsewhere in the world. So if you want my help with these things, you can go to expatmoney.com and up in the top right-hand corner, click on the work with us button. That's going to take you to an important letter. I want you to read that and fill out the application form at the bottom. And if I agree that it's a good fit, then we'll take a call together and we'll start looking at everything. So on the application form, please be as detailed as possible. So that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We covered all of the news in the world of investment migration, as well as all of the things that I learned going through my CBI program and St. Kitts. Hopefully in the next four weeks or so, 30, 35 days, I should have my St. Kitts passport Maybe I'll do another update once I actually receive my passport and my citizenship certificate, but we'll see if there are any changes or if I have to go there in person to pick it up or do this interview that they mentioned. Hopefully not. I am genuinely looking forward to being a St. Keith citizen. I think it is an amazing country and they have the best program or had the best program. And I hope that these continue. So that is it and have a great day. Love you guys all and I'll talk to you soon. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. 
My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.